Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we give you praise. We thank you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the adoration. Thank you for another time in your presence. As we share your word today, we pray that our lives will be transformed. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Right. So last week, we discussed the Holy Communion, which was a break from our series, The Character of Christ. Today, we are going to do the last installment on that series, The Character of Christ. Uh, because when we talk about on, on this subject, we can discuss it the whole year <laughs> if we want to talk about the character of Christ. But um, I want to make this our last installment for, to, uh, for, for the character of Christ. We might come back to it some other time. But um, this is our last installment. And the last, time, the, last, the last time we discussed the character of Christ, we spoke about his prayer life. Today, we are going to talk about how Christ related with people, which is very important because as people who are here on earth, we are going to interact with people. We are going to meet people. And so how we are able to portray Christ to these people are very important. So we are going to talk about the character of Christ. And today we are discussing how Jesus Christ related with different types of people. First, we'll see how Jesus Christ related Jesus versus the culture and discrimination. How Jesus Christ dealt with the culture and discrimination. And then we'll see how Jesus Christ dealt with unbelievers. We'll see how Jesus Christ um, dealt with people who opposed him. And how Jesus Christ um, related with people who are suffering. How Jesus Christ related with his followers. How Jesus Christ related with people who offended him. And how Jesus Christ related with people who believed in him. If we're not able to finish it, we might we just I'll, I'll stop somewhere. So our, our, our first scripture is John chapter 4 verse 5 to 9. The Bible says, So he came to a, to, a, um, to a city of Samaria, which is called Sika, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being worried from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which is 12 at, uh, mid, um, at noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritan. Now, the woman's question here brings a lot of points, a lot of things to us. That the woman said, How is it that you, being a Jewish man, you ask water from me, a Samaritan? And the verse, the last verse we read also summarizes it says, Because the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, the, Jew, the Jewish people and the Samaritans have a long history. That goes way back from the time that the Jewish people were in captivity. So the, Jew, the Jews had a very uh, a lesser view of the Samaritans. The Jews felt that the Samaritans are not proper Jewish people. Because the Samaritans were people who had mixed with other tribes and had given birth. So even though the Samaritans were, were some sort of Jewish people, the Jews saw them as not being fully Jewish. And so the Samaritans and the Jews had this argument within them, between them. They were not so nice to each other. Like the Bible says that they had no dealing. So if you remember the story of the good Samaritan, 
who met a Jewish man and showed love to him. Christ said that is how we are supposed to relate with other people. And so the woman asked this question, that how come you being a, a Jewish man, you are asking me, a Samaritan, to give you water? Because the Jews and the Samaritan were not, on good, um, they were not in good terms. There was enmity between the Jews and the Samaritan. But Jesus Christ overlooked the culture of the time. He overlooked the discrimination of that time and still went to the Samaritan woman and, and asked the Samaritan woman for water. And so Jesus Christ set an example for us because we live in a culture now that if we don't take care, we'll be taken away with the culture of the time. We live in a time where there's a lot of discrimination. There's a lot of hatred between two people who do not have the same view. But Jesus Christ led the way because here the Samaritan people, they also served the God of Israel, but they had set their own temple somewhere else. And they were worshipping in that temple. And the Jewish people were also saying that if you want to serve God, then you have to come to Jerusalem before you can serve God. And so there was this argument and contention between the two people. But Jesus Christ overlooked the argument, overlooked the culture of that time, overlooked the discrimination of that time, and went to minister to the Samaritan woman. And he has left us an example. That if we are followers, if we are believers who follow the example of Jesus Christ, we must not give in to discrimination. We must not allow racial discrimination or cultural discrimination to limit us from reaching out to other people. Jesus Christ set this example for us. And so sometimes when you look at what is going on, you look at the headlines and the noise that people are making and they expect Christians to voice out. First of all, we should remember that we are citizens of heaven. When you become, Jesus, when you become born again, you become a citizen of heaven. First, that is your first identity. Before you are any other thing, you are a citizen of heaven. And so you want, to, you want your life to reflect your citizenship being a citizen of heaven and so when there is discrimination in the culture when there is um, enmity between two people or between some group that you belong to and another group always have it in mind that you are first of all a citizen of heaven you are a child of god and therefore you bring your citizenship to the people first and so jesus christ had this conversation with this samaritan woman Another thing in this culture was that if you were a teacher of the law, if you are what the people call, the Jewish people will call a rabbi, then you don't talk to a woman in public. You don't stand in public and have conversation with a woman. But Jesus Christ did not allow that culture and that discrimination to limit him from ministering to this woman. One, the woman was a Samaritan. Two, he wasn't even permitted as a rabbi and as a leader to talk, as a religious leader to talk to this woman. But Jesus Christ overlooked all those things and ministered to this woman. He did this as an example for us. So that when culture limits us from representing God properly, we don't give in to culture. When, when there is so much discrimination, that limits us from reaching out to another people, to another race or to another group of people. We don't look at that but we look at what Jesus Christ did. The Bible says, For God so loved the whole world. And so the people that we are discriminating against, the people that we hate, God loves them. And therefore, we must also love them. Amen. And so Jesus Christ did this to give us an example. That even though the Jewish people and the Samaritan people were not in good terms, 
Jesus Christ did not look at that. But he, he had the purpose of the Father in his mind. He had the purpose of the Father in his heart. Because it was the desire of the Father to reach out to the whole world. Including the Samaritan people. And so Bible says that he stopped at the well. Had a conversation with this woman. And at the end, we know how this woman went into the city of Samaria. Invited all the people of the city. The Bible says all the people. When you read further from this chapter, the Bible says... All the people of the city came to believe because of the testimony of this woman. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ had given in to the discrimination and decided that the Jewish people and the Samaritan people are not in good terms, so I'm not going to minister to this woman. The whole city wouldn't have been saved. But Jesus Christ overlooked the fact that even the culture of that time did not permit him to talk to the woman. He overlooked that fact and still spoke to this woman. And through that conversation that he had with a woman, the whole city came to, came to be saved. Now, we will not know that the people that we are taking out because of our culture, the people that we are trying to do away with because of the discrimination or because of whatever it is, we don't want to talk to these people. We don't want to minister to them. How do you know that a city will be saved through that person? And so Jesus Christ set an example for us here. That when we are dealing with people, we don't look at the culture, but first of all, we look at our citizenship, which is in heaven. And based on our citizenship, and the, uh, our Bible study this morning, that we are representatives of God. And so we have to go out to our communities and to the city to minister to, minister to people, irrespective of who they are. Amen. Amen. Now, how did Jesus Christ deal with unbelievers? In Luke chapter 5, verse 27. So the first thing we saw is how did Jesus Christ deal with culture and discrimination? He overlooked culture and discrimination and established the kingdom of God. And that is what we must, we must do. We must overlook culture. We must overlook discrimination and ensure that as citizens of heaven, the purpose and the will of God will come to pass on earth. Amen. And so how did he deal with sinners? Luke chapter 5 verse 27 to 32. Bible says that after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by name Levi. In other versions, this is Matthew. Sitting at the tax booth, he said to him, follow me. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi, Levi held a banquet for Jesus Christ at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have, come to call, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Very interesting. When Jesus Christ, we see two levels of the grace of Jesus Christ. First, the grace that calls a sinner to repentance. And so Jesus Christ met this man who was a sinner. And he invited him, come and follow me. The Bible says, first of all, we have to understand who these tax collectors are. The tax collectors were seen as the sellout in the community. Because what they did was that they were taking taxes for the Roman government. And so the Jewish people did not like them. Not only were they taking taxes for the Roman government, which the Jewish people felt they had betrayed their nation. And so they were seen as people who had, who had sold out their nation. Not only that, but then again, 
they didn't take the correct taxes. So if they were supposed to take $10, they will add five to it, and the five goes to them, and the 10 goes to the, the Roman government. So one, they were cheating the people, so the people didn't like them. So they were seen as sinners. They were seen as people who were not righteous people because they were cheating the people. One, they had betrayed their nation. Two, they were charging more taxes than they were supposed to charge. But Jesus Christ approached this sinner. All the people in the community will hate this person. But Jesus Christ approached the person and said, follow me. That is the grace that he has when it comes to dealing with sinners. And that is what we must do when we approach sinners. Invite them to Jesus Christ. He did not just reject sinners. He didn't go about talking about them and saying, these people are bad people. They charge the people more, more taxes than they are supposed to charge. They have even betrayed their nation. He didn't accuse them. He, wasn't, he didn't just come to him and say, you are a sinner. You are going to hell if you don't repent. But he just invited him and said, follow me. And that is, how, that is what we must do when we, we are dealing with sinners. Invite them to Jesus Christ. When you look at the relationship that Jesus had with sinners, it was always a relationship where he was trying to influence them. But let me not use sinners. Let me say unbelievers. He was trying to influence them and bring them to salvation. And that is the relationship we should have with unbelievers. Our focus in a relationship with unbelievers is to influence them and bring them to salvation. That is what Jesus, you look at how Jesus Christ interacted with every unbeliever. It was a relationship where he wanted to influence them and point them to the light. That is the first sign of grace we see in this chapter. The next sign of grace we see in the chapter was that, is that when, when Levi invited Jesus Christ to a banquet and there was a crowd of tax collectors, he did not reject the banquet. He went there. He was eating with the unbelievers. First, he had called one of the unbelievers to salvation. Second, he was eating with the unbelievers. He didn't say that these people are filthy. These people are not worthy to sit at a table with me. But he showed them grace. That is what we must do as believers. We must show grace to unbelievers. We must show grace to sinners. We must show grace to people who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord as their Lord and personal Savior, we must show them grace. Through showing them grace, they will come to understand the salvation that we have received. You see, whenever you are dealing with an unbeliever, think about your own life. Think about how God was so gracious to you. The number of times you rejected the call of salvation. God did not sack you. God did not cast you out. But he was patient with you. Until you came to the light. That is the kind of grace we have to extend to unbelievers. That we are gracious to them. We don't condemn them. We don't write them off. Nobody is written off in the kingdom of God. We always give them the chance. We pray for them. We are gracious to them. We don't say that, oh, these guys are sinners. So we don't want to sit with them. But like I said earlier, Jesus Christ always had a relationship where he influenced people. And brought them to salvation. So we see Jesus Christ sitting here at the banquet. Eating with unbelievers. And the Pharisees. We know what the Pharisees have been doing so far. The Pharisees came and accused Jesus Christ. That why are you sitting down and eating with unbelievers and sinners? And again we see another level of grace. In answering the questions of the Pharisees. He didn't just rebuke them. He didn't just push them away. He was gracious to them. He said 
The Bible, verse 31 says, Jesus answered them, It is the is it not the health sorry, it is not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so we see how gracious Jesus Christ is. First of all, to the sinner, he called him to salvation. He said, Follow me. And this man became one of the twelve apostles. Now to the people who are not to the unbelievers who are not saved yet, he went there and dined with them. He had a banquet with them. Now to the other people, religious people who opposed him, questioned him, and asked why he was eating with unbelievers, he was he gave them an answer graciously. And this is the character. You see, whenever you read the Bible and you see how Jesus Christ dealt with situations, it should minister to us and teach us how we should also deal with those situations when we are confronted by such situations. And so, first of all, he was gracious to the unbeliever to bring him into salvation. He was gracious enough to go and sit with other unbelievers and eat with them. And then when the religious people came to question his motive, he was patient with them and explained his motive to them. Sometimes you find all these three in one person who will come and accuse you, who will come and question your actions towards unbelievers. But you have to be gracious. Do not condemn people. Because when people really understand the love of God, sometimes there's no much argument about um, ministering to unbelievers or hanging around unbelievers. The Bible warns us that we should not uh, evil communication corrupt good manners. And that is true. But like I said, Jesus Christ, whenever he interacted with unbelievers, he influenced them to salvation. All of us, the Bible also says that there is no way in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, that if we say that we want to live outside of the sinful if we, want, we don't want to live in the midst of sinners, that means that we will have to live outside of this world. Because in the world that we live in today, we are going to, we are going to definitely come in, into contact with unbelievers. And so we have to minister and show grace to, this, to these people. We have to preach the word to them. We have to show them the love of God. Pray for them and believe that God is going to touch them and change them. When we consider our own life and our own journey, how God was gracious and merciful to us, we need to extend the same grace and mercy to other people who have not yet believed. Amen. Amen. So when Jesus Christ met with unbelievers, he was gracious to them. He didn't condemn them. He invited them to salvation. He dined with them. Amen. Now, Matthew chapter 22, verse 23 to um, to 29 This is how Jesus Christ dealt with people who opposed him. When you read the whole chapter of Matthew chapter 22, you see that first of all, the Pharisees came to test him with a question concerning concerning marriage. Second, the Sadducees also came to test Jesus Christ with a question concerning resurrection. Third, um, the scribes also came to test Jesus Christ with a question concerning the greatest commandment. And so when you read Matthew chapter 22, you see all these people coming to test Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ was gracious. He gave them response according to their questions. And the one we are going to look at today is the question that the Sadducee brought to Jesus Christ. So the Bible says that in verse 23, the same, the same day the Sadducees who say 
there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and shall raise up offspring for his brother. Now there, was, there, were, there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he married and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second and third, even to the seventh, last of all, the woman also died. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Isn't it interesting that most people who oppose us is because they don't know the scriptures and they don't know the power of God. And this, I love this answer that Jesus Christ gave them. He says, you are mistaken because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Now, the Bible tells us that these people actually came to test Jesus Christ. And he knows they are hurt. But he took his time again and explained to them. First, the Pharisees came with a question. Jesus Christ explained their question to them. And then the Sadducees also came. Opposing Jesus Christ, he gave them an answer. And then the scribes also came, opposing Jesus Christ. He was gracious and he gave them an answer. And so when we go out, as we live our lives, there are people who bring questions, who argue with us, who even question the way, of our, the way we are living our lives and even our faith. How we can win these people over is to have patience, to be gracious to them and give them answers to their questions. And so Jesus Christ took them back to the scriptures. He says, you are mistaken because you don't know the scriptures. And that's, that should be at the back of your mind when you meet somebody, when you want to witness to somebody and the person wants to bring an argument and tell you that what you are believing is false. It is because they don't know the scriptures and they don't know the power of God. Once you know this, you are patient with them and you explain the scriptures to them. Amen. And so Jesus Christ told them that in the resurrection, there is no going to be marriage. We are all going to be like the angels and we are not going to marry. And so I believe at that point, they saw that the, the question they even brought, trying to trick Jesus, didn't have a lot of sense in it. Because if they really knew that in the resurrection, there is no going to be marriage, they wouldn't even bring this trick question to Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus Christ said, you are mistaken because you don't know the scriptures. Amen. And so when people oppose us, let's be gracious. Let's be patient with them. All of us have to learn to be patient with people who oppose us. Sometimes you, you post certain things on Facebook and you have people arguing and asking questions. Just be patient with them. Recently, was it on last Saturday, I posted something about evangelism, um, an evangelism message about the fact that Jesus Christ has set us free from every sin and people should come to Jesus Christ and they will be free from sin. And I had somebody typing a, a whole, a lot of things. And I, so I just replied back and asked him that, okay, I understand that you might have genuine questions about our faith. And I'm ready to have a discussion with you when you are open to that. And he said, okay, I'm going to take you up on that. So I'm still waiting for him to set up the call so that we can talk. But if I had just reacted, gone back and forth with him, trying to argue with him, because I know 
from the scriptures that people who ask questions like that or people who bring up arguments like that, they don't know the scriptures. Like Jesus Christ said, you are mistaken not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. And so I pray that the power of God be revealed to such people. And whenever I have the time, whenever I have the chance, sorry, I will open up the scriptures to such people so that they will understand the scriptures. And that should be our attitude in dealing with people who argue with us. Because in the society that we live in now, there's a lot of argument. Everybody says they have their own truth, and so we should leave them with their own truth. But it is the knowledge of the scriptures and the power of God that will bring such people to salvation. One thing that I always pray for, that as a church, as a people, we will demonstrate the power of God. That will make people see that God is still alive. And the same miracles that happened in the Bible, God is still doing the same miracles in our days today. And we are the people who go out there and make known his power to the world. Uh, like I keep saying and emphasizing that every one of us here has the ability to demonstrate the power of God. And so when there's a need in anybody's life, it starts by you taking the step of faith. Pray for the person. And believe God. You see, when you pray for the person in the name of Jesus Christ, it is not your responsibility to see the accomplishment of whatever you've prayed for. It is, it is dependent on God to glorify his, his son, Jesus Christ. And that is why he says that we should pray in the name of Jesus. And when we pray in the name of Jesus, it is not in my name. And so it's not in my power, but it is in the name of Jesus Christ. And so let's take the step of faith demonstrating the power when people are sick just pray and believe that god will heal them all of us can be filled with his power amen, amen. like we said in our bible studies we are ambassadors of christ god lives inside of you you have to be conscious and aware of the fact that god lives inside of you and the power of god resides inside of you amen in, in John chapter 11, we see how Jesus Christ dealt with people who were his followers. And this is important because as believers, sometimes we are leaders. And people are looking at us and looking at how we act in situations. Right. Just want to be conscious all the time. And Jesus Christ... In, Luke, in John chapter 11, verse 32 to 35, the Bible says, Then when Mary was come, where Jesus, I'm sorry, no. This is when Jesus, this is Jesus Christ, how he dealt with people who are suffering. I'm sorry, this is how he dealt with people who are suffering. The Bible says, Then when Mary was come, where Jesus was, and he saw him, she fell down at her feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews were also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, I think I'm reading the old King James here. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35. Bible says Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus wept. When Jesus Christ saw Mary weeping, saw the Jewish people weeping, the Bible says he was troubled in his spirit and he wept. Isn't it so interesting that he was God, but yet he showed emotions? 
that these people are in pain and I feel their pain. This is not because he, he didn't know that he was going to resurrect Lazarus. In fact, before he came to this place, he told his disciples that our friend Lazarus is asleep. Let's go and wake him up. And he meant that Lazarus was dead. We are going to wake him up from the sleep. Or we are going to resurrect him from the dead. So he knew that he came here to resurrect the guy from the, from the grave. Yet when he saw the people weeping, Bible says he was troubled in his spirit. And Jesus wept. And so it is not always that, oh, if you are a man, then you must not cry. <laughs> or if you are spiritual, if you have faith, then you must not cry. But we see Jesus Christ identifying with the pain of the people. And so when the people were in pain and they were weeping, Jesus wept with them. And so this should, should bring you comfort. What, whatever you cry to him, he's not sitting like a God who has no emotions and cannot feel your pain. Bible says that he is a man like us. We, we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with our infirmity. Jesus Christ is touched with our weaknesses. Jesus Christ is touched with our pain. And when we go through any pain, he feels our pain. When we are suffering, he identifies with our suffering. And so Jesus Christ identified with the tears that these people were shedding at that time. And the Bible says that Jesus wept with the people. But even though he wept with, wept with the people, he brought good news to them. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Hallelujah. And this is how we should also act when we see others suffering. We must identify with their suffering. We must identify with their pain. It is one of the characters of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ saw people and they were hungry, Bible says that he was moved with compassion and he wanted to do something to help the people. When he saw people who were in sickness and they were in pain, Bible says he's moved with compassion and he prayed for those people. That is how we should act towards other people. When there are people in pain, when there are people who are suffering, when people have lost their loved ones, we should identify with their pain. Pray for them. Identify with their pain. Don't just go and throw your faith message in, in, their, faith, in their face when, they are, when they, are, they are in pain. But identify with their pain. Some people think that when you don't show any emotions, it means you have a lot of faith. But who has more faith than Jesus Christ? He worked with the people. He, he wept not because he didn't have faith, but he was identifying with the pain of the people. He knew he was going to raise the dead, the dead man, but he still wept with them. That, this tells us that he became a man like us. And we should know that God has emotions. We, we see from the Bible that God has emotions. He's able to express anger. He's able to express joy. He's able to express sorrow. And the Holy Spirit also has emotions. Amen. Amen. And so, let's identify with the pain of other people. Let me just try to move quickly now because of time. We are running out of time. So, let me just try to move quickly. Now, the Bible, in, in John chapter 13, verse 3 to 5, the Bible says that Jesus, knowing that the Father has given all things to his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper and laid aside his garment, took a towel and gathered him himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel. 
with which he gathered himself. Can you imagine? Jesus Christ rose up from the supper and began to wash their feet. And mind you, these guys had not been sitting in any car. They had been walking in the desert with a lot of dirt on their feet. And the Bible says Jesus Christ rose up. Very interesting thing in verse 3 is that he says, the Bible says, he knowing that he comes from the Father, and the Father had given all things to him. So he knew that he had all authority over these people. But he served them. Amen. Amen. This is how we deal with our followers. When we occupy leadership position as believers, the Bible says we are not supposed to lord it over them, but we are supposed to serve them. We are supposed to serve the people that we are leading. And Jesus left us an example. He took the towel, he washed their feet, and he cleaned their feet with a towel. That is how we lead, by serving. If we, are, if we happen to occupy positions that we are leading people, we are supposed to serve them and not supposed to lord it over them as believers. A very good example of leadership is having an attitude of a servant. The Bible says that if you want to be the greatest, you have to be the servant of all. That is true greatness in the eyes of God. When you are able to come down and serve other people. So as believers... We need to serve other people. I'm just not, I'm not going to spend so much time here because of time. I'll just move on to the next one. How did Jesus Christ deal with people who offended him? Offense is a big thing. The Bible says offense will come. As we live here on earth, we have to be aware that offense is going to come. You see, when somebody offends you, know that you are just experiencing life. <laughs> because in life, people are going to offend you. And so, the one thing you have to learn is that you don't take every offense to heart. Because people are going to offend you. And that is life. So when you, you see offense happening, just know that life is happening to you. Amen. So Bible says in verse 32 that Jesus... Sorry. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to, to put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, they were, cru- they were crucified. The, the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. The Bible says, and they divided his garment and cast lot. The very people who crucified him... While he was still in the pain of the crucifixion, he said, Father, forgive them, for they did not know what they are doing. When people offended Jesus Christ, what he did was to forgive them and to pray for them. When people offend you, I know that it's not easy. (laughs) I'm not saying that it's easy. When they offended him, he said, Father, forgive them. He was praying for the people. Right at the time that he was going through the pain. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ had not forgiven the offense? That even Peter, people like Peter. You see, the 12, all the 12 disciples, all the 12 disciples betrayed Jesus Christ. All of them. Because when he was having the supper with them, he said, Tonight, all of you are going to betray me. The reason why Peter's, Peter's betrayal is recorded is because Peter challenged Jesus Christ. He said, even if all of them will go, me, I'm not going to betray you. But in actual sense, all of them left 
But Peter's own is recorded because he, he said that he was not going to leave. And so Jesus Christ forgave the 12 people, even though they, they, he forgave all the disciples. If Judas had even repented, he was going to forgive him. But Judas never repented. And so when people offend us, let's forgive them. When you feel the pain of the offense, that is the time to pray for them. As you pray for people, you heal yourself. Your heart is just healed as you pray for people. And so when people offend you, forgive them and pray for them. Now, how did Jesus Christ deal with other believers? He saw them as his family members. He saw them as his brothers. And he saw them as his sisters. In Luke chapter 12, verse 46 to 48, the Bible says, Then one said to him, Look, your mother, your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But, Jesus, but he answered and said to them, said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who is my brothers? If you read further, verse 49 and verse 50, you can show that for us. He says that the people who are standing here, these are my brothers and these are my, uh, uh, my siblings. And so as a believer, you see other believers as your brothers. They might not be in your own, the same church with you, but they are your siblings. Amen. And so we, we are not competing with other believers or other Christians or other um, denominations. They are our brothers. They are our sisters. And that's how we see it. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, we might not share the same set of doctrines. But if they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, then they are brothers. They are siblings. They are family. And that's how we should see them. Amen. Amen. They are not our enemies. We are not competing with them. But they are brothers. And that's how we should treat them. And so that is how Jesus Christ dealt with people. When Jesus Christ... I'm just going to summarize it quickly. When Jesus Christ lived in a culture where there is discrimination, a culture that limits him from ministering to other people, he overlooked the culture and established a kingdom culture, which is reaching out to everybody. And that's why he told us to go out into the world and preach to other people. When Jesus Christ met unbelievers, he was gracious to them. He influenced them to salvation. He didn't just condemn them, but he brought them to the light. When Jesus Christ met people who opposed him, he was patient with them. He answered their questions. He explained the scriptures to them. And the reason why they opposed him was because they didn't know the scriptures. When Jesus Christ met with people who were suffering, he identified with their pain. He wept with them. As believers and as followers of Jesus Christ, when people are going through pain, let's identify with their pain. When Jesus Christ <clears throat> occupied a position of leadership, and he had followers. He served his followers. He served the people he was leading. And when we are occupying a leadership position as believers, even at our workplaces, let's serve people. There is greatness in serving. When Jesus Christ was offended by other people, he forgave them and he prayed for them. And Jesus Christ saw other believers as his brothers. Irrespective of who they are, where they worshipped, he saw them as his brothers. And so when we are dealing with other believers, let's see them as our brothers. They are not our enemies. 
they are brothers, irrespective of the name of their church, irrespective of their doctrine. We might not share the same doctrines, but if they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, the Bible says that we have all become saints and citizens of heaven, and they are our brothers. Amen. And that is how we should treat them. Hallelujah. Shall we begin to pray right now? That the character of Christ will be formed in us. In Jesus' mighty name. Paul says, My little children, in whom I travail with birth pains, that Christ will be formed in you. We are praying that Jesus Christ will be formed in us. That our attitude, our actions, our reactions will be like Jesus Christ. That we will be more like him and less of us. We pray that we'll be filled with his spirit right now in Jesus' name. Lord, fill our hearts, Lord, fill our hearts in Jesus' name. Fill our hearts, O God, in the name of Jesus. More of you, O God, more of you and less of us. We pray, O God, that we'll be like you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.